Hi, this is Chris Date, and you're listening to the The Apologetics Podcast, Episode 9, Can I Get a Witness? Today I am interviewing Mike Felker, creator of TheApologeticFront.com, on how to reach out to Jehovah's Witnesses. Now I don't have a lot of intro material, which is good because we'll have more time for the interview, but I do want to say just a few brief things. First, I want to extend a heartfelt thanks to everybody who's joined the The Apologetics page on Facebook. Um, it's exciting for me to see new faces added to that list, particularly when they're faces I don't recognize. You know, my, I, I can... Uh, I can expect that my friends and family are going to join the page, but people that I don't even know, people that aren't my personal friends on Facebook, when they show up on the list of uh, people that are fans of the apologetics, that, that really touches my heart. So thank you all very much. Also, I want to remind everybody that the The Apologetics podcast is available in the Zune Marketplace and in the iTunes Store, and I'm still you know, looking forward to seeing comments there. And remember, if you have a blog or a podcast that you would like me to promote in my show, I'd be happy to do so, so long as I'm comfortable with the content, so please do send me a link to your resource, as well as um, a 30 to 45 second or so long promo, that would save me the trouble of piecing together promos for myself. Uh, and I look forward to promoting your show and mine. I, I, I really enjoy directing my listeners to resources that I think will edify them. Speaking of promos, in episode 7 I played a promo I pieced together for the Unbelievable Radio Show with Justin Brierley. I emailed him explaining that uh, if he didn't like the promo that I played, he'd, ha he'd just have to prepare one for me, a proper promo recorded by he himself, which in fact he's done. So I'd like to play that for you right now. You're unbelievable. Okay, so you've got their book, read their blog, and downloaded their talks, but where can you hear the arguments of your favorite defenders of faith actually being put forward in the context of a live radio debate? Only one place. Unbelievable is the show and podcast that brings together Christians and non-Christians to discuss apologetics, the Bible, philosophy, God, science, evolution, design, different worldviews and ethics every single week. How can the text of the Bible be authoritative if we can't agree on what the text was? Bart's position is that we don't have the original writings. I would say that we do. We don't have the original copies, but we do have the original writing. Professor Dawkins and others acknowledge that there is no evolutionary explanation for the origin of the first life. That caused being agency or mind. God, do you mean God when you say I agency? God, is a, God, I mean God. Is a, I think it's a likely candidate. But Most atheists feel if life is eternal, then life is cheap. Jesus talked about life in all its fullness. And life in all its fullness requires um, a relationship with the person who called us into existence. I'm Justin Briley, the host of the show, and I'd like to encourage you to tune in to cutting-edge apologetics debate from the heart of London, England at premier.org.uk forward slash unbelievable. You can download the podcast, join the forum, and get in touch wherever you are around the world. That's Unbelievable, the show that brings together Christians and non-Christians, podcasting every Saturday at premier.org.uk forward slash unbelievable. You're unbelievable. I've said it at least a couple times in this podcast. I really highly recommend the Unbelievable Radio Show with Justin Brierley. I think that you'll find it very edifying, um, challenging in a very good way, one that will cause you to think and to grow, and I hope that you'll check it out. And if you're already fans of the show, I would encourage you to stay tuned to my podcast for another couple episodes, at least, <laughs> um, as I have a real treat in store for you. The plans are tentative right now, but Justin has agreed over email to let me interview him on my show, which I think will be uh, pretty interesting since we're accustomed to listening him to, to him sort of stay neutral and moderate debate. Um, I think that we'll get to know a little bit more about him, and I think that some of the things he has to say will be very encouraging. So stay tuned. And with that, let's move into today's interview. And just as a word of warning, our Skype connection was a little bit lacking at first, and so the sound is a little choppy, but uh, it improves as the episode as the interview continues. So I hope you'll enjoy. Right 
I'm joined today by my guest, Mike Felker, Christian apologist and creator of TheApologeticFront.com. Thanks so much for talking with me today, Mike. Thanks. Good to be here. We're going to talk about reaching out to Jehovah's Witnesses, but first, you know, we've talked a little bit on the phone about this and some other topics, but I know very little else about you. So if you don't mind, could you share with us a little bit about your life and how it is that you became a Christian? Sure. Uh, grew up in a, I guess you'd call it a Christian home. Mm. Kind of went through the motions, grew up Methodist, actually. My parents are still Methodists. Never really were too serious about their beliefs, and I wasn't serious about mine. I guess I kind of reflected them. And uh, I started to get more serious about my faith when I attended college. I guess you could say that might have been when I became born again because my life started reflecting uh, what it means to be a Christian. I started repenting of my sins. I started reading the Word. And Mm. although I heard of things like Jesus died on the cross and you know, I, I I believed in God, but I had my doubts. Uh, so I, I guess that I just wasn't, uh, it didn't really translate into my life, and I didn't really understand those concepts, what it meant for Jesus to die for my sins. Mm. And so when I started uh, really reading the Bible and and praying over it, and that's that's when I really started to understand that concept. And it, it's, it's kind of amazing how I, you can hear something like that all your life. You can even hear some legitimate gospel proclamations. I can remember sometimes uh, growing up when I did, like when I attended a Baptist church with my friends, uh, but it just never registered. But uh, there was just a time uh, when I first started going to college that, that that registered. And what really got me going was a apologetic seminar, and it was actually a creation ev- a creation evolution seminar uh, that really uh, changed my life around to where, okay, this, although I, I believe I was born again, I was saved, this is really, really what but bold to go off and say, wow, this really is God's word, and right. I can trust it. One of my doubts growing up had to do with the creation evolution issue, and that just, man, cleared everything up, and, and, that, and then that was the point where I started getting involved in apologetics, which was, I think, in uh, 01, hmm. so I guess for about uh, eight years now, I've been digging into apologetics. You know, I find it fascinating that this became real to you in college, because I <clears throat> I get the impression, based on you know what I've heard, that <laughs> college is when a lot of Christians actually turn away from their faith. So it's kind of interesting that you had the reverse experience. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I was going to ask you how you developed a passion for teaching and defending the historic Christian faith uh, at your website, but it sounds like this was this uh, creation evolution seminar was sort of the beginning of that. Um, what has your experience been during that time, during the past eight years or so that you've been uh, doing apologetics? Sure, sure. Well, the first... I would say two or three years I did uh, practically nothing. I was pretty unbalanced, I'm going to have to be honest. I, you know, I was reading my Bible diligently, but I wasn't, you know, the books I was reading, the books I was studying was primarily creation evolution uh, books uh, from from both sides. Hmm. And I was uh, trying to trying to challenge my professors. I remember my geology professor, he like to get up there and just uh, just critique intelligent design and the Bible and, and all. He had a, he had a philosophy background, so it was kind of funny. We're supposed to be learning geology, and here he just, <laughs> he'll just stand up there and just have a PowerPoint presentation, just slamming intelligent design. And so wow. I was like, you know, it's a, so when you're in like your cage stage, uh, newly uh, apologist uh, mode, you're just like you're like. Oh yeah, got this guy now. So I just started challenging him. I was emailing him and uh I never met him in person because I, I was kind of paranoid that oh if he finds out I'm gonna be creation I'm a creationist, he's gonna fail me. So yeah. so yeah, I was doing things like that. I was uh, challenging my professors and uh talking to a lot of people around me and trying to get other people interested. I wasn't doing a lot of writing, but I would say maybe 
a few years after that, I uh, started doing writing. Um, back uh, when MySpace started out, there weren't there weren't actual blogs like there are today. Well, there may have been, but that was back in the early stage. But sure. MySpace was my blog, and I just started blogging about creation evolution. And then at some point, it just transitioned into uh, the website, the Apologetic Front. And since then, um, I guess that's been about maybe three or four years I've been uh, posting everything there, as well as making videos on YouTube. Mm. Yeah, well, I'll have you uh, give my listeners links to all that in a little bit. Uh, I'm curious, how did how did witnessing specifically to Jehovah's Witnesses become a passion of yours? That's, that's really interesting. I never really had any encounters with them either growing up uh, I don't recall any time when they actually came to my door, at least not in an instance where I was there and I, I knew it was them knocking. But and even even going through college, so it really wasn't until 2007, just a few years ago, when I had my first encounter. And I got my uh, undergrad degree. I got a bachelor's of science in sociology, and I was taking a class on death and the afterlife. It was pretty depressing class because that's all we <laughs> talked about was death in the afterlife and how society deals with it. Mm. Well, for our main project, we were to investigate the death and afterlife views of a religion of our choice, and this had to be a religion other than our own. Yeah. And so I chose Jehovah's Witnesses mainly because they were such a mysterious group. You look at their churches, well, they're, we know they're called Kingdom Halls, but yeah. I didn't know that. You look at their churches, there's no windows on them. <laughs> so you, you just have this chilling feeling going up your spine, ooh, they're a cult. You know? That's true. So, yeah, so and, and a lot of other people I know have this conception of them, and so... I, I, but but I, I but I was really interested. I'd heard people talking about them because by that time I was I had kind of expanded uh, my apologetic studies to where I was uh, you know looking into Reformed theology. I was listening to guys like James White, and of course, mm. meant, you know they they talk about Jehovah's Witnesses and a lot of these uh, like Hank Hanegraaff, all these uh, all these guys talk about Jehovah's Witnesses here and there. So I, you know I heard things from them. I'd never really done any reading, but. I was I was very interested, and I just thought, okay, well, here's my chance to really find out what this group believes. Sure. And so the basis of the project was you had to write a paper, uh, an objective paper. This wasn't to be a critique. You're just describing their beliefs. Right. You also had to interview. Uh, I interviewed 12 Jehovah's Witnesses, and this was really a challenge, not only for me, but a lot of people in the class, because, you know, where are you just going to find 12, this, this wasn't <laughs> just like, go find 12 Baptists, or go sure. find 12 Methodists, this is go find 12 Buddhists, go find 12 Muslims, and I had to find 12 Jehovah's Witnesses, and the reason you do this in sociology is because there's a, a method of a it's called triangulation, and what you do is if you're researching maybe a, tip, a type of behavior that society engages in, you need to go to different locations in different areas mm. so that you can see, okay, is one side being uh, inconsistent with the other side? You look for the discrepancies, and so I had to do this triangulation process, which meant I chose uh, three kingdom halls in three different locations, but not just different locations. I didn't choose three in, uh, you know, all uh, rich areas. You know, mm. this is really different locations just to see if I can get a contrasting result. Right. And to make a long story short, I ended up finding uh, 12 Jehovah's Witnesses. One happened to be a man that I work with. I found out that he was one. That was fairly easy, although approaching him was a little bit scary. Sure. But the scariest was actually showing up to the Kingdom Hall, sitting in the parking lot and waiting for some to come outside, and I approached them. Wow. And I didn't know what the reaction would be because I knew nothing about them as people. I just thought they were these uh, scary cultists doing <laughs> weird things inside these buildings. But turned out they were the nicest people they took me right in 
and they were more than willing to do the interviews. Uh, so they were they were ecstatic because I. Uh, one thing you, you got to know about Jehovah's Witnesses is people aren't approaching them. They, yeah. They're the ones always approaching others. So they were they were absolutely excited. But after I got done with everything and all the interviews, I recorded them all, turned the project in, you know, made a good grade. Uh, they wanted more than just academic studies. Hmm. Uh, they wanted to go beyond that. So they... This was, at that time, four different families. Uh, I was, and none of them knew about the other. Uh, that was what was pretty interesting. So they all wanted to do a quote-unquote Bible study with me. Right. And, you know, I'm, I like to read the Bible. Uh, I'm, I'm into apologetics, so how am I going to turn down uh, a Bible <laughs> study with a Jehovah's Witness? And, sure. And, and, yeah, this was in 2007, and... Uh, I basically spent about uh, roughly two years, give or take, uh, with depending on the family, uh, studying Watchtower publications as well as attending meetings. And maybe we'll get into some of the uh, the reasons uh, as to why I chose to go about things that way. But uh, basically, I yeah spent two years in study and two years attending meetings. Got to learn a lot about the culture of the organization and and learned a lot about the beliefs. Uh, mm. You know, straight from horse's mouth. I wasn't this wasn't me just reading books about them. This was me reading books by them and actually interacting with them uh, as people. So that's uh, that's that's where it started. And uh, not doing any more studies. That all came to a halt uh, for various reasons. Hmm. And uh, so, yeah, so I'm no longer doing studies. I'm, I'm no longer uh, attending meetings, still studying about them, but just not doing any official studies. I think we uh, pretty much exhausted it because most people won't go through a study for, uh, you know, longer than a year hmm. in, 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 unless they, they're just an exception and they uh, don't have time to do it consistently. But most who's very interested in becoming a Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, they'll study for maybe six months to a year. Uh, before they have enough knowledge to to be baptized. Yeah. Well, so this is probably it goes without saying, but I'm I'm guessing you're not uh, you weren't convinced. You're not a Jehovah's Witness now. No, I uh, I I wasn't convinced, and uh, contrary to their expectations. <laughs> right. Yeah. Certainly. Well, you know, my listeners might recall from episode five. Um, that Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Jesus is not God. Uh, but can you tell us just briefly uh, sort of an overview of some of the other significant differences there are between the Jehovah's Witnesses and historic Christianity? Yeah, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses are probably most well known for their uh, denial of the Trinity. Mm. And if, if you ask most Christians uh, you know, who've been in church for a while, most Christians might already be somewhat aware of that. Maybe not all the details and their reasons for rejecting the Trinity, but that's that's definitely probably the most well-known difference. But there's also some very uh, significant differences in addition to that. Another significant difference is uh, their denial of the soul as a separate immaterial entity of your body. Uh, because they believe that all that you are as a person is your physical makeup. Hmm. And also, uh, there's a lot of implications with this. Uh, they believe that when you die, you cease to exist. Hmm. In other words, you're not you know, going to heaven or you're not going to hell when you die. You just die. They call it the soul sleep. So if you're a, if you're a faithful Jehovah's Witness, uh, you'll, you'll die. And uh, you'll be resurrected uh, in the end, and that's when you'll uh, be, you know, recreated physically. Uh, so, so that's their that's their view of the soul, and and this actually flows into another aspect of their beliefs, and a very important aspect, and that is uh, the existence of hell. Hmm. Now, they will say they believe in hell, but they believe that hell is simply the grave. So, they believe that I guess they believe that they're going to hell. Uh, but they believe they'll only be there temporarily in their soul sleep. So they don't believe that hell is a place of, you know, eternal torment. Uh, they don't believe anything like that. And, and that's a huge stumbling block for them. And you'll hear them probably at your door if you spend more than a, 
an hour with them, you're you're almost guaranteed to. They call it hellfire, and they <laughs> like to poison the well with that term to think right. that you know hell is a place where you get thrown on a frying pan, and when you get toasty on one side, you get flipped over. Uh, you know, they they have these kind of uh, unbalanced views of hell, which that could be uh, the result of getting bad information because there are a lot of Christians who do have a lot of misconceptions and and no, learn, they've learned a lot of uh, incorrect things about hell. But that's that's uh, that's one belief, and uh, another one which is probably one of the most, if not maybe the first or second most important uh, aspects, is their uh, their beliefs teach that. There's uh, all faithful Jehovah's Witnesses except for 144,000 are going to live forever on a restored earth. Mm-hmm. So there's a group they call the Anointed, and this is the 144,000 they believe that Revelation chapter 7 and chapter 14 talk about. And there's only maybe about, there's under 10,000, if I'm not mistaken, alive on earth today that claim to be of the anointed class. And so they believe that that anointed class of 144,000 are the only ones who are going to go to heaven and live there forever. They're going to rule and reign with Christ over, I guess, all creation and most especially uh, the restored earth. So That's most of most Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, they want to go to Paradise Earth. They don't want to go to heaven. And that was what was really interesting about uh, the interviews that I did. Uh, I would ask them, you know, uh, why don't you want to go to heaven? And they just say, uh, I'm not called to go there. I don't I don't want to go to heaven. I, I want to stay on this earth. And so this is, uh, this is a huge contrast uh, with what... Uh, many Christians today believe, uh, well, probably all, and I don't know of any other group besides Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, who teach that Christians will be eternally separated for all eternity. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, and, and this has a, a lot of implications with it, and, and this is one issue I've, I've uh, sought to focus on a lot more lately because they believe that only these anointed 144,000 are born again. So most oh, wow. Jehovah's Witnesses, if you ask them, have you been born again? They will say, no, I have not. And another implication of this, and if you ever have a chance uh, and you get to go to a kingdom hall on their, um, well, it's when we're having Easter, um, but they have their uh, their service where they all they partake of communion. But the interesting thing is, if you're not of the anointed, you don't partake of the bread and the wine. Wow! So you may sit through one of these meetings, and you can just go as an observer and sit in the back, and you'll watch them pass by the bread and the wine. Every single one of them uh, will will deny it. And uh, th- there's a whole lot of theology uh, that they'll they'll use to defend this idea, but. Uh, they believe that only the anointed are of the new covenant, and that's why they uh, they deny um, the bread and the wine to themselves. So that's that's one of the most significant uh, differences. And uh, like I said, there's a lot more implications to this. But that's kind of just the uh, just the gist of that. And another uh, significant difference from historic Christianity is their denial that you were saved by faith alone. Hmm. Uh, they believe that it is your faithfulness, your endurance to the end, uh, that will determine whether you are going to spend forever, all eternity, on Paradise Earth. And that's why they're so diligent in going door-to-door, attending all of the meetings. Uh, Now, they may not say in these exact words, I'm earning my salvation, but they do believe that they are working for their salvation. Now, they don't deny that you have to have faith, but they they uh, affirm that you have to have uh, good works, and that's what's going to determine uh, your standing before uh, Jehovah God. And yeah, so that that's 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 a very significant difference. And yeah. uh, it's, it, now, as far as historic Christianity, obviously the Roman Catholic Church. I mean, we we obviously may not call that we don't call it Christianity, um, but because uh, they have some they have some very significant differences as well. Sure. But uh, Roman Catholics, you know, believe that also that you know there's this um, 
meritorious uh, system of works that you must undergo in order to be saved. Well, in principle, Jehovah's Witnesses uh, believe that, although they just don't hold to those same sacraments. They sure. just uh, substitute that with their door-to-door ministry and attending meetings and and uh, and all of that. So, yeah, so that's uh, that's a pretty good overview. Now, there's a lot of other beliefs that uh, they hold to that's very different, that are in some some cases very odd. They deny blood transfusions. Uh, if you get a blood transfusion, uh, you're likely to be uh, disfellowshipped from the organization. Hmm. And uh, they don't go to war. Uh, they don't get involved in politics. And if they were to do that, they would probably be disciplined. And they also believe uh, that Jesus Christ uh, was not enthroned until 1914. And 1914 <laughs> is actually the core of their beliefs. And uh, a lot of them aren't going to be talking about that at your door. Now, if you ask them questions, they will. And if you study, they'll get to it. Uh, and I believe that's due to um, some embarrassment of that doctrine because it's shown sure. to be patently false. But nonetheless, that is the core teaching of the organization. In fact, they call that the gospel. Hmm. Uh, the good news is that Jesus Christ uh, was enthroned and began his rule in 1914, and that was the beginning of the end times. And so they are very emphatic about the idea that we are living in the end, it's around the corner, and they believe that so emphatically they have falsely prophesied <laughs> the end of the world several times because, uh, in fact, uh, I'm holding in my hand a recent watchtower uh, that says, is the end near, and it has a picture of earth being consumed with fire. And I would say every couple of issues of the Watchtower magazine uh, is about the end times, and so that's a wow. huge aspect of their of their theology. And lastly, and this might be one of the most important differences, is they believe that salvation can only be found in their organization mm. under the authority of the Watchtower. In other words, no matter what you believe, even if you believe everything that the Jehovah's Witnesses teach. And let's say you even go door-to-door and you conduct your own Bible studies, you go through the motions, but if you're not in association with that organization, uh, you cannot be saved. Wow. And so the organization of uh, Jehovah's Witnesses under the authority of uh, the governing body uh, that is the only true organization on earth today, and by default, all others are false. And that is a huge, huge, huge difference uh, from what we believe as Christians, because we believe that salvation is found in the person of Jesus Christ. We don't right. believe it's found in an organization, so that's uh, that's a very big one. But yeah, that's that's a, that's the basic gist of it. I don't, I can't think of anything I. Uh, I left out. I'm sure there's a lot of other uh, small issues, but those uh, those seem to be the biggest ones. Sure, and maybe we can uh, in future episodes talk at more length about some of those differences, uh, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so uh, one question I have is. A lot of Christians, and this included myself, I think, at one point, um, either out of ignorance or fear, um, discomfort, disinterest, whatever, we don't spend any time equipping ourselves to reach out to Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, some people, some Christians, when Jehovah's Witnesses will show up at the door, they'll accept the material they're handed and sort of thank them and send them on their way, but leave it at that. We'll talk in a minute about what you think is the right approach, but if you think Christians should do more than just sort of be disinterested in this, why? Why is it important that we equip ourselves to develop and, and to develop a desire to reach out to them? Yeah, that's that's a that's a really good question. Um, if you go to First Peter three fifteen, a passage that you just alluded to, uh, it says to make a defense to everyone who asks that is not a Jehovah's Witness. Hmm. Wait, no, no, <laughs> it, it actually right. doesn't. Say, it doesn't. It doesn't say that. It yeah. says that. You are to make a defense. You are to be ready uh, to make a defense to anyone who asks. And uh, and but that's that's exactly what a lot of people do. They may affirm that verse uh, all day and all night long, every day. But when a Jehovah's Witness knocks, they just insert an exception into that verse, and they just uh, 
They don't think they should have anything to do with them. After all, they may only come to their door once or twice a year, mm. and uh, so you know, what's it going to hurt just uh, just dismiss them twice a year? You know, they're they're active in making a defense in other areas, so uh, why why bother with them? But uh, no, I, I I believe that that verse is teaching that we are to be ready to make a defense, and and what's interesting is that you don't actually have to pursue them. Uh, they're pursuing you, and if if you're anything like me, uh, you're you're you have a hard time confronting people. It's something yeah. that I have to I have to work on, and that all of us have to work on to some extent is just uh, being able to approach people and proclaim the gospel to them. Right. Well, here's your opportunity uh, to not have to approach someone. So they're coming to you. They're asking you, what do you believe? Right. And Man, we're we're turning down these opportunities uh, left and right, and yeah. so so yeah. So I, I think that um, every Christian, uh, male, female, young and old, uh, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, you have a duty and an obligation. But it should also be your joy and pleasure to be able to pro- proclaim the gospel to these people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but but speaking of men and women and old and young, I mean, uh, even if we develop a desire to reach out to the Jehovah's Witnesses, are we really capable of doing so? I mean, does it take like a PhD or a huge brain or anything like that? No, uh, contrary to popular opinion, uh, it doesn't. Uh, all it really takes is first... Uh, a good testimony. Mm. Um, if you don't have uh, a good, solid testimony about how you became born again, um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's first and foremost. You, you've got to have that, and you will have an opportunity uh, to share that if you get to spend any time with them. Uh, like they 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 need to know that because the Jehovah's Witness testimony is pretty much something along the lines of, you know, okay, some people knocked on my door. They're the only ones who had uh, this kind of Bible knowledge. I studied with them, and I became baptized. That's that's your uh, run-of-the-mill uh, Jehovah's Witness study. Hmm. Um, or, or testimony, I'm sorry, is just kind of going through a study. Uh, but they don't have this, this experience of, you know, I was living a life um, in sin, and uh, the Lord made himself known to me, caused me to become born again. I was able to repent. I uh, started reading my Bible. I started sharing my faith. Uh, you know, that's that's the that's the powerful testimony they need to hear because they don't have uh, they don't believe they're born again. So they yeah. they don't have they don't have that experience. So I would say, first and foremost, uh, you don't need a Ph.D. to have uh, a good, solid testimony and to share just the, the plain gospel message with someone. But also. What you need is not an exhaustive knowledge of Jehovah's Witnesses' beliefs. Hmm. Uh, what you really need is a knowledge of your own. And so what I would say is if you're not equipped to deal with Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, you're actually not really equipped to, to deal with anyone. Hmm. Because any group you deal with, you need to have a good foundational knowledge of your core beliefs. That is, what do you believe about God? What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about salvation? You know, salvation by faith alone, or do you believe it's by works? I mean, uh, these these core beliefs are issues that you need to know for anyone that you encounter, and that doesn't take a, a PhD. <laughs> and so... Even if you have absolutely no knowledge about Jehovah's Witnesses, and they come to your door and they ask you, you know, does God have uh, an organization on earth today? And do you believe you're a part of that organization? And they start telling you that, uh, you know, in order to have uh, salvation, in order, ha- order to have a correct relationship with God, you need the organization. Well, even if you didn't know that about them previously, you know, uh, something should click in your head and go, no, wait, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can go to the Father but through him. Mm. And so if, if you just have these core foundational beliefs settled in your mind and you can use Scripture to back them up, then you're pretty much good to go. Now, I will say that it does help to have knowledge about Jehovah's Witnesses because sure. this way... 
you can already know what they're going to say uh, before they can even say it. And so if you already know that, you know, for example, uh, they believe that they're not born again, well, hey, I know about 10 scriptures that say that you must be born again. And so, and I know how they understand these verses, and so I can share it with them. Right. So yeah, so it doesn't take a PhD. All it takes is a foundational knowledge of your beliefs, as well as maybe just uh, an overview of what they believe on those same core issues. So yeah, right. it's, it's, it's a lot easier than what people think. And it's, it's actually true that uh, a Jehovah's Witnesses can turn most Christians inside out with their own Bible within, you know, about two minutes. That yeah. is true. But they can do that by only maybe having maybe ten scriptures memorized. Because what they'll do is they'll have about, you know, maybe three or four verses memorized that deal with the deity of Christ. And so... Uh, they'll take you to those couple of different texts. And after four texts, you've got this Christian all twisted in his thinking and going, oh, you know what? Uh, you know, maybe Jesus isn't who I thought he was. Now, right. did this Jehovah's Witness have a Ph.D.? Probably not. Or no, no, he, he maybe just he had four verses memorized and they've already turned you inside out. Yeah. So, yeah, you're absolutely neither one. Neither side has a Ph.D. Neither side, in most cases, has seminary training. But one side is able to do what they do door to door um, for the rest of their life. Yeah. And that's that's uh, that's something very significant. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like what you say about really it's about understanding our own faith. And, you know, th that's sort of what my podcast is all about or is what I'm trying to do is um, teach, you know, help people to, to look into their faith and understand it better. Um, but I also agree with you that a fa sort of a overview of what the Jehovah's Witnesses believe and and what kinds of things they're going to challenge you on is helpful as well. So really quick, can you recommend any um, starting points that people could go to, to to begin to learn a little bit about them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, just learning about uh, about their beliefs um, is actually, I think, quite all right to go straight to the horse's mouth. I mean, that's exactly that's exactly what I did. Mm. I I went straight to them. I went straight to you know their publications. I read their publications. So I would actually recommend just learning. Um, now, I'm not saying you got to go to a Kingdom Hall. You need to. <laughs> find some Jehovah's Witnesses out there. I mean, you can just go to their website, watchtower.org, and uh, there is more than enough information there. Now, I'm not saying, you know, uh, don't proceed with caution. Absolutely proceed with caution. Now, if you plan on doing this, make sure that uh, someone else knows it because, uh, you know, if we know anything about spiritual warfare and, yeah. and deceit, you know, we, we need to be uh, very aware of those things and you know, make sure, you know, the elders in your church know about it. You know, hey, I'm studying some stuff and I just wanted to let you know um, I do that. I still do that to this day. And that's that's what we should all be doing. But anyway, uh, here's a publication they have called What Does the Bible Really Teach? And it's mm. it, you could probably read this book uh, maybe in about three hours. It's not that long. If you hold it in your hand, it's maybe about five inches tall by, you know, four inches wide. It's a small booklet about a hundred pages long, but each page will take you about, uh, 20 seconds to read. But anyway, uh, you can go there and you can download, um, this publication. You can read it and you can, you know, maybe make a chart and say, you know, what do Jehovah's Witnesses believe about God? What do they believe about Jesus Christ? It's basically a miniature, uh, systematic theology where they go through um, all of their beliefs. Hmm. Now, as far as the um, uh, the specifics, it's it's hard to really recommend uh, one particular book, uh, and, and that's one thing that I think needs to be done. There needs to be an updated book that uh, that does an overview of all of their beliefs. And and um, so one one book I'm mentioning that uh, I think does a pretty good job of overviewing everything. I don't agree with. All, everything that he says, uh, I think um, uh, David Reed's books, uh, Answering Jehovah's Witnesses Verse by Verse, um, mm. is a pretty good one. And it's, it's a pretty short read, but it basically just goes through all of the main texts that uh, they'll use to disprove historic Christianity. And another one is Answering Jehovah's Witnesses uh, Subject by Subject, which basically is an A to Z 
overview of all of their beliefs. And those are some pretty good, anything David Reed writes is really good. He was actually a former Jehovah's Witness elder. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, so he, he, he knows his stuff. And he also has a book called Rescuing Your Loved Ones from the Watchtower. And what this book does, and it's probably the best book that you can get if you really want to reach Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, it goes through their publications and uses them against themselves. For example, uh, he has in this book actual photocopies that you can scan and print out and show to a Jehovah's Witness. For example, like the false prophecies, they, they predicted the end of the world uh, several times and <laughs> actually claimed to be prophets, claimed to speak in God's name. And you can just print these out and show it to them. And that's... Uh, and that, that's pretty much all it takes. And so that book is, uh, I can't stress how valuable that work is and, and, and how much I've, I've been able to use it. So, yeah, if you want an overview of Jehovah's Witnesses uh, from someone that really, uh, that really knows them, uh, David Reed, uh, he's, he's definitely a good one. Good. And, you know, listeners, I'll include links in my show notes to these resources, too, in case you want to check them out. Um, well, so, okay, so let's say that we've done some reading. We've, we've learned about our own faith and we've uh, read up you know, on the Jehovah's Witnesses, and we have a sort of overview, uh, understanding of their beliefs. Let's say that we hear a knock at our door, uh, and a pair of witnesses is there, or let's say we, that we've got friends or family or coworkers and who, for whatever reason, we know are Jehovah's Witnesses. Once we have the preparation work done, what, what would be sort of the next step? What are some other things that we can do to open the proverbial door to discuss faith with them? Yeah, this is uh, this is a good question. It's something that I'm still uh, learning to do. Jehovah's Witnesses will always have um, something prepared when they come to your door. For example, I have a stack of watchtowers that I was uh, that I was given recently, and what they'll do is uh, they'll come to your door with something something prepared, and they'll they'll usually not jump the gun and just go straight to the issue. Uh, they want to lead into the conversation, which that's something that um, you know we all do when we're trying to share the gospel with someone. But the way they'll do it is they'll be showing you one of their Watchtower or Awake magazines. Those are their two uh, primary publications. Mm. And uh, I'm holding one in my hand that says, Seven Things You Need to Know About Prayer. So maybe they'll come to your door, if that's the Watchtower for the month, they'll maybe ask you, um, you know, uh, do you do you pray? And, you know, they'll kind of lead in the conversation. They'll they'll ask you some questions about what you believe with regards to prayer. And they'll teach you a few things about prayer. And they'll, most of the time, it'll be things that you can agree with. They're not just going to come straight out and say, do you think that Jesus was enthroned in 1914? I mean, <laughs> they're, not, they're, they're probably not going to do that. They're not going to come straight to your door and... Uh, and ask you something uh, just straight to the point like that. They're always going to lead into the conversation. Now, what we need to do is find a way to turn the conversation into something more productive. I mean, you don't want to just spend, you know, 30 minutes talking about uh, talking about prayer with them, and uh, you you want you want to get them out of their presentation and into um, an issue of importance. Yeah. Because if you just spent 30 minutes talking about prayer and you ate it all up and you found out, oh, well, I didn't really disagree with anything, you know, they'll they'll leave and you'll send them on their way and uh, they were never challenged with anything. So it's really important to uh, find a way to give them something to chew on, as Greg, Greg Kokel would say, put a stone in their shoe. Yeah. So that, that should be your main objective. Your main objective um, is not going to be to... Uh, set them down for five hours and be able to, to give them a complete overview of all, all of your beliefs and, and shatter all of theirs, uh, that, that's just not going to happen. Right. And they're not there to do that unless you just have a, an interesting exception. So the goal is, because uh, they, have, they have a whole bunch of houses they have to go to that day, so they probably don't plan on spending more than uh, 30 minutes, and that might even be pushing it. Hmm. So what you need to try to do is put a stone in their shoe, challenge them in some way. Um, so let's say, uh, they're talking to you, um, about prayer and, and maybe you can actually ask them a question and it's okay to butt in. Um, they actually want you to do that. They want you to be interested. Engaged. Most, they, yeah, they want you to be 
engaged because people are not doing that when they come to their, they're usually getting doors slammed in their faces. They're getting blank stares. Most people just aren't interested, not only Jehovah's Witnesses, but just the things of God uh, in general. And so what you can maybe ask them if they're talking about uh, prayer, you can ask them, you know, who do you pray to? Um, and they'll say, you know, we pray to Jehovah. And you can go, oh, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. And uh, here's the key. Ask questions. Just ask questions because they don't want someone just making statements because they are there to teach. They right. are not there to learn. Uh, if you're there to teach, that might be the last time you ever speak with them. Now, one way if, you're, if they're talking about prayer you know, you ask those uh, questions, kind of get the gist of of what they're saying. Now, then you can ask them, uh, turn to John chapter 17, verse 3. I, I have a question about that text, and their eyes are going to light up, I can assure you, because that text is one of their um, primary texts. And you can probably, you can guarantee they're going to be sharing that verse with you um, if you spend more than five minutes with them. And in most Bibles, it'll say something along the lines of, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Right. Uh, there's an interesting change uh, in their Bible, which is called the New World Translation, which is translated by them, um, and it's unique to them. Because in that verse, it will say that they may take in knowledge of you, the only true God in Jesus Christ. Hmm. And so their their whole focus is taking in knowledge, learning about God, learning about Jesus, learning about this and that. But most Bibles, if not all, will say that they may know you as opposed to taking in right. knowledge of you. Now, Jehovah's Witnesses are more than happy uh, to let you use your own translation. Um, in fact, in all the two years of studying I did with them, uh, we used my Bible, and they're completely okay with that because they, you know, they've uh, spent enough time with people to know that most people are going to be skeptical of their translation, and so you're not going to be using their translation until you get to where you're convinced of their beliefs. But at any rate, um, you can ask them. Do you know Jehovah God? They will yeah. say, yes, I know them. You know, we're talking about prayer and they'll maybe say some things about how they pray to him and go, okay, um, well, this verse talks about not only knowing the only true God, but it says knowing Jesus Christ. Uh, do you know Jesus Christ? Um, and that will, really get them to think because this verse is talking about eternal life. You don't get eternal life by just taking in knowledge of someone. Uh, the demons have knowledge of God. The demons have knowledge of Jesus Christ. Oh, and in fact, but, if you don't mind me interrupting, Jesus, sure. if I recall, said um, that there would be those in the end who say to him, Lord, I did this in your name and that in your name. And what does he say? He says, I did not know you. Now, obviously, Jesus uh has knowledge, you know, about the people that he's talking about. So knowing must mean more than just taking in knowledge. That's a great point. You know what? That would be an excellent follow-up text if they if they uh, try to use that um, that defense and saying, no, this is just taking in knowledge. And mm. you know, you can go to the Greek, and I think you can make your case. But most of the time, you're not going to have a chance to do that. Yeah. But yeah, if, if they use this taking in knowledge approach, yeah, go to uh, Matthew chapter seven. If I'm not mistaken, that's where. Uh, that text is found. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, really stress that. And that, that's one way that you can, because they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I can assure you if they do not pray <laughs> to Jesus Christ, but this text is loud and clear. And they may have never heard this before. They've read this text a million times, not only in their Bible, but everyone's Bible they'll encounter at the door. They've read this verse, but they may have never put two and two together, that you don't just know the only true God, that you have to know Jesus Christ to have eternal life. And, and so there's always a way to translate the discussion um, into a topic of, uh, of what you want to talk about and not just waste your 30 minutes on an issue that you both, that you both agree on. Mm. Yeah. Well, so it, when we're in these kind of conversations in, in the limited time that we have, 
you know, as, as you've mentioned, there are, there are a lot of significant differences between our faith and theirs. Um, what kinds of issues should we pursue, um, and what kinds of issues should we avoid? Yeah, uh, this is a, um, a question that we need to be asking them, because to them, every issue is of the utmost importance. Uh, they could spend hours with you talking about holidays and why you should not celebrate them and that they have pagan roots and all of that. Uh, and, and, and I've, I've fallen into the same trap. It happens to the best of us. We go and pursue those things. But here's something to, to consider. What if you do convince Jehovah's Witnesses that there's nothing wrong with celebrating holidays? What have you really accomplished? Are they any closer to having a right relationship with God? Right. Or are they, are they right where they started? What we have to do is we need to go after those things that really do uh, affect their salvation. Blood transfusions. Now that's an important issue. I'm not going to deny uh, that's important because that is that is life and death in a lot of cases. Um, but that's just dealing with your physical life. That's not dealing um, with, with your, your spiritual. Yeah, with your eternal life. So, uh, you know, what are you going to accomplish by spending hours on end uh, going after this issue? Now, there is a time and a place for that. I I, I agree. Um, but if you're in the beginning stages and uh, you're just trying to. Uh, give them something um, to really chew on and to really consider that could really um, change their life for all eternity. Focus on those things that will change their life for all eternity. For example, I mentioned earlier that they deny being born again. Yeah. Um, and I think we can all agree that that is an absolutely essential doctrine because if you're not born again, you are dead in your sins. Ephesians 2 talks about being dead in your sins and then made alive in Christ Jesus. So if you're not made alive in Christ Jesus, if you're not born again, you're still dead in your sins. And uh, so that is an issue uh, that you absolutely should focus on. And, and to be honest, I try to focus on that issue uh, more than anything, um, and, and that's related to this whole two-class system, because if you can give them doubt that Christians are not going to be separated for all eternity, some in heaven and the rest on earth, if you can cast doubt on that, you can you can really open the door uh, for getting them to see the necessity of the new birth. Uh, so that's that's an issue that is absolutely important. Sure. Um, to consider. Also, you know, the issue of the nature of God, um, you know, that, that's, a, that's a very important issue. But when it comes to that, you got to be careful because if you just come right out and say, you know, um, I believe in the Trinity, I believe this, here's what's going to happen in their head. They're going to be saying, oh, oh gosh, here's this pagan who believes in a three-headed God. Here we go again. That's one of the biggest stumbling blocks and one of the biggest turnoffs uh, for Jehovah's Witnesses is that issue. And you can really, if you're not careful with that, you can really shoot yourself in the foot and lose a lot of opportunities. So if you're going to go down that route, um, you got to be extremely careful and extremely strategic. And maybe that's something that we can uh, discuss on a future episode is how to be really strategic in approaching any of these issues. But that issue in and of itself is one that... Um, most Jehovah's Witnesses who leave the organization, that's one of the last issues that they come to accept yeah. because they'll start denying um, their views on hell or their views on soul, the soul or, you know, 1914. They may even, uh, you know, agree to being uh, born again. Okay, I, I know I have to be born again. A lot of those things are going to come in steps, but usually the nature of God is one of the last issues uh, they'll, they'll ever come to accept. In most cases, you can ask most Jehovah's Witnesses who have become born again, um, when did you come to accept uh, your view on the nature of God? And that's uh, that's just one of the last things. So uh, you got to be really careful in approaching that and just take that into consideration. Uh, you know, and, and, and like I said about putting stones in the shoe, okay, it's okay to ask some questions and put some stones in their shoe about the nature of God, but just be careful when you approach. Don't just come straight out saying, I believe Jesus is God and you're going to hell if you don't believe that. That's just uh, 
that's going to be unfruitful. Yeah. No, I hear you, and, and we will. We'll talk strategy more in uh, future episodes. Um, but you, you just mentioned one don't. You know, just sort of in general, are there are there a list of do's and don'ts that you might be able to give us to think about in case we're encountered anytime soon? Yeah, yeah. Um, now here, here's just just to give everyone something uh, to leave with, to where they can really uh, uh, look towards being prepared uh, before you know we do a future podcast is. Have a have a specific plan, um, so that if a Jehovah's Witness comes to your door and they talk about an issue that you just can't think of a way to uh, tra- uh, transfer into a productive conversation, have a plan, and it can be completely irrelevant uh, to what they're gonna um, they're gonna talk about to you at their door. For example, let's say that you want to go to John three three and you want to show them. Uh, what it means to be uh, born again, and let the text explain that. So let's say you have a presentation given to you. I'm holding an is- issue that says, why do people do bad things? And they may give you a presentation about why people do evil, why there's all this crime. They may be at that point after they've given their presentation to be on their way. And you could say, excuse me, um, I have a question. Do you, do you think you can maybe answer it for me? And, you know, they're they're going to be happy to answer any questions that you have. And you can say, you know, can you go to John chapter 3, verse 3, and read it for me? And then maybe you can just ask a couple of questions about being born again, about seeing the kingdom of God, and maybe taking them to a few other texts, just giving them something they can leave with. Mm. Uh, so every Christian out there who's listening to this, maybe just come up with a very short plan, have one verse memorized maybe, and have a couple of follow-up questions just written down maybe on a note card so that when you hear a knock at your door, you can just pull out that note card, look over it really quick, put it down, and go to the door, have the conversation, and give them uh, something to something to chew on and something that is directly related to their salvation. So that's one do that I would recommend. And as far as... Doing that, as far as having that preparation, yeah, make it something of the utmost importance. That if they left that day, uh, never to come back again, uh, they really have some direction and they can really start reading the Bible on their own and seeing these things just because you showed them that one verse. Now, don't have something prepared about holidays. Don't, I mean, you can make some pretty <laughs> good points about, you know, why it's not wrong to celebrate holidays and you can come up with a compelling argument, but you know, you don't want to leave them, uh, doubting, uh, you know, their views on holidays. Leave, right. let them leave, uh, with something that can, uh, help them to have a right relationship with God. Yeah. So, so do, do ask questions that leave them thinking about the things that matter. Don't ask questions that leave them thinking about the things that don't. Is that kind of what you're saying? Absolutely. And, yep. and, and are there any other recommendations that you might have, do's and don'ts? Or maybe we can yeah. go ahead. I would, I would say that some of the, uh, the do's is, um, giving them something that seriously questions the integrity of the organization. Now, if you're going to do that, and this, this can be very powerful, and a, most Jehovah's Witnesses who have left the organization uh, didn't do so because of doctrinal issues. They did it because they saw that their organization is not who they claim to be. Mm. For example, you can have a couple of photocopies of some of the false prophecies that they've made in the past, and a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses are somewhat aware of the fact that, that the Watchtower has made some, some what they would call uh, o- overzealous <laughs> mistakes. Yeah, <laughs> they were just overzealous um, in their believing that the time was in the end. You know, the time the time of the end was in 1914. That that's about all they'll know. But if you maybe have two photocopies just set in a place in your home where you can grab them pretty quick and when Jehovah's Witness knocks, it maybe has one of their proclamations of 1914 being the end and that they said it in God's name. Uh, you can have one of those ready so that when they come to your door and they're leaving, you say, you know, I have, I have a question about your organization. Someone gave me uh, some some printouts of your magazine. Do you mind if I uh, ask you some uh, some questions about this? And they'll be happy to answer, and you'll hand it to them, and you'll say, do you mind reading this part that I underlined? I kind of had a question about that, and they'll 
uh, they'll read the part about, you know, 1914 being the end. And they, they may even give their, the same explanation that, you know, a lot of us have heard a million times that, oh, oh, they were just being overzealous. They don't claim to be prophets. They don't claim to speak in God's name, even though it may say that there in the text. But, <laughs> That's something that, that you can leave them with because they're not going to get on their knees and repent at your door. I can right. almost guarantee you that. But So they may give you an answer, quote-unquote, but you have no idea what they're going to leave with and how their thinking process might have gotten triggered at that point to where they're thinking, wow, I, I didn't know the society made these emphatic declarations in God's name. Wow, this is... Uh, this is this is shattering to my faith, and I'm I'm going to start having doubts now. If you're going to do that, and I think you should do that in a very careful and cautious way, also make sure that you can couple that with uh, some type of theological reflection as well. So if you're going to show them that, maybe say, you know, I have one more question about the Bible. Do you mind if I can ask you about it? And then you can maybe uh, go to John three three and ask some questions. So you've given them two things to leave with probably in the course of only three minutes. First of all, that their organization is not trustworthy and that they are not who they claim to be. And second of all, uh, they need to be born again and that without being born again, they cannot have a right relationship with God. And that's something that anyone can do, and it takes maybe only ten minutes of study and preparation. Yeah. That's really good stuff. Um you know, I, I wanted to ask about some of the psychological issues, but I think we're <laughs> we're running pretty long, so I might put that off for another episode. Um, so, what I'd like now is is for you just to sort of give us a closing thought. You know, what message would you like to leave us with to think and pray about until we hear from you next time? Yeah, I would I would definitely say um, really learn what you believe and and why you believe it. Uh, I can't, I can't tell you how. Um, important, uh, that is study a wide range of theology, um, because Jehovah's Witnesses are very unbalanced in this regard. They haven't really studied that issue of being born again, um, in depth because they don't believe it applies to them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just stud- studying your Bible, uh, studying systematic theology, learning is wide of a range, everything from the nature of God, uh, to eschatology, learning all of this stuff, um, and, and that's going to actually affect all areas of witnessing, whether you're encountering a Mormon or a Muslim, uh, a Roman Catholic, it, you know, it doesn't matter who it is, just learn what you believe and why you believe it, um, expand your horizons, don't do what I did and just study creation evolution and nothing else for three right. years <laughs> you know try try to try to try to be balanced and um and also just uh pray um uh, that god would use you in a powerful way one prayer that i always pray is god give me not a spirit of fear and timidity give me a spirit of power uh, love and self-discipline just so that i'm not going to be ashamed and i'm going to be able to proclaim of the truth faithfully so that when a Jehovah's Witness comes to your door, um, man, you're going to be able to just go, go right at it because, uh, you know what you believe. So yeah, just, uh, read, read your Bible, learn your Bible. And, uh, that's, that's, that's about the most important thing we can do. Yeah. Amen. I agree. All right. Well, before I let you go, do you want to plug your work? Um, you know, we've talked about your blog, uh, and I think that you're in a band. Do you want to talk about, about that at all? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I guess first of all, my uh, my band. Um, yeah, I've been playing in this band called The Status. Uh, yeah, I live in uh, I live in Atlanta. That's where we're uh, we're based out of, and uh, we uh, we tour full time. Uh, we're signed to a label called Doghouse Records, and yeah, so we've been plugging at this uh, pretty pretty much full time uh, for about three years. The past two years, uh, yeah, we were touring about seven to eight months out of the year all over the country. So. Uh, that's, uh, that's what I do. Um, what do you play? Kind of, I play drums. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I play drums. And if you want to check us out, uh, just go to, uh, myspace.com forward slash the status. And, uh, yeah, you can check out our music, uh, music videos and, uh, we're not touring anytime soon. We're taking some time off, but yeah, all of our tour dates are, 
are on there. So yeah, feel free to check that out. It's kind of an odd combination. I'm in a, I'm in a rock band and uh, <laughs> also do, do, do apologetics. And, uh, <clears throat> my blog is, uh, is www.theapologeticfront.com. And I, I write a blog on there, you know, probably a couple of times a week. And I've got a whole lot of stuff about Jehovah's Witnesses. I've maybe, I should have, <laughs> maybe I should have plugged that as, uh, you know, is what you should maybe go to as far as uh, learning uh, what they believe. In addition to reading their own stuff, if you want to look at um, how I would view it, yeah, go to my blog. There's a whole list of tags that has pretty much something on every main Jehovah's Witness belief. So maybe you can just check out some of the things I said there. I've made a whole bunch of videos. But, uh, yeah, and also i got a YouTube channel, um, and I, I post all those videos in the blog, so you can uh, you can access all of that there. What is the YouTube channel? Um, I actually have... I have two. Um, I remade one because I wanted to kind of change my direction. But uh, the one I did the most work on with Jehovah's Witnesses is uh, I, I, I would just have to spell it. It's YouTube.com slash E-N-T-R-S-N-M-3. Maybe, Chris, you could just uh, put I'll a link I'll link in the show notes, yeah. Yeah, put a link there. And also I have a, um, another channel that I share with uh, an ex-Jehovah's Witness who uh, became born again. Uh, pretty recently, and that's called Context Ministries, and you can just type Google uh, Context Ministries YouTube, and it'll uh, it'll pull that right up. And uh, me and Brock have a lot of videos there, and we just kind of changed our approach as to how we uh, we engage uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Because before I was engaging Internet Jehovah's Witnesses, and and now I'm more engaging Christians and how to interact with them. So if you're interested in that, uh, definitely check out that channel. Great. All right. Well, yeah, I definitely encourage my listeners to check these out, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to future appearances uh, by you on my show to talk about um, these issues and perhaps more. So thanks again so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope you found this interview helpful. I know that I certainly have. And I hope you'll join me for the next episode of the The Apologetics Podcast, in which I'll hopefully be interviewing Justin Brierley of the Unbelievable Radio Program. Until then...